to get there real quick and see what you look like. Yeah, if you go on the first step, you'll be good. Instagram, we're just gonna put it like down here. Huh. Yeah, let's pick the oh, facing the pulpit cam. <laughs> like with the frontal camera? I guess. Oh, did they show you that I can control the, the monitors from there? No? Instagram right now. Turn my camera around. <laughs> Quarantine! <laughs> Dante preaching today, sitting in the back. What's up, Deontay? I think you joined our live feed. You guys want to see? This is this is Inception Church. Ready? He's right there. We'll put it like right there. So much life. You think that's too close to him? Maybe? Maybe a little bit back? Yeah, we got a, a little hot. This is going to be the pulpit cam right here. So we'll be preaching to Facebook Live, which will be live right there too. Like it needs to be higher? Facebook and this is I could just stand and hold it. 
No, no, no. I'll be your filter. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. That'd be an honor to just be your filter. Yeah, filter. So, we'll do that. Well, let's go ahead and get stuff going. Is it 10 o'clock? Well, not yet. What time do you want me up? You'll be up at like 10 10. like something we could use. Is anyone going to use this? Can we use it? Yeah, you can tape something to it. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. It's still going to be kind of low. You got any tape? No, I don't have any tape. Should I wave back to people? You can wave back to people. Yay. Wave. What's up, Fredo? You all Good get to see you. Joining in. Christy Dawn, the Christy Dawn Cherry, otherwise known as Christy LaBarge. Joining in. We're starting up in a minute. I think I'm going to stand back and just hold this later. But for right now, we're just going to hold it like this. What time is it? We got two minutes, everybody. Welcome to worship. Make your way in. Find a seat in your house. Hopefully, it's a comfy chair. Take a look at our wonderful front here. We got River of the Valley on that side. We got Rio del Valle on that side. Facebook feed is doing that wobble thing. Uh oh. Don't know what to tell you, Christy. I can't fix wobble things. Nabil, good to see you. Got some leaders here that are going to be talking about how to open back up for in person worship. People. See Don? Don's here. Hey, Don. I'm going to begin worship this morning with Revelation, reading from Revelation 22. So if you want to go there. My shoe's untied, but I only have one hand, so I'm just going to stand untied for now. Don't worry. Today we have Deontay preaching, so we're excited to be having him uh, bringing us the word today. Woo! Woo! Here. He's already here in the flesh. This is not virtual, Deontay. Well, I guess it will be for you, huh? For all of us here, the blessing is we have real Deontay, not virtual Deontay. <laughs> not virtual D. Let's get started. Welcome to River of the Valley and our worship service today. Uh, it is awesome that you're joining us, and we're going to begin with a reading from Revelation 22. It says this, Then the angel showed me the river, the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God 
and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. River of the Valley, uh, as recently we've changed our name to River, and it comes from the images we see in Scripture of, of such a river, a vision of such a river. We've been talking recently about vision for our church, and if you take it out of Scripture, um, you see this idea that um, God's vision for us, so not my vision or the leader's vision, but God's vision for us is that we are moving to a time in which God will be with us, and the healing, the restoration, the reconciliation of God will be the only thing that we know. And you have this vision of this river, this image of this river that flows through, that gives life. As we're trying to be entering into this vision of God, uh, we've been using words last week, you heard the four C's we have. As a church, we have to be a movement, and that's part of the reason I love rivers, because rivers move, they have a current. And in that current, we expect there to be movement, both as a church moving our, our world, and when people come into our church, their lives are also moved. And the C's are you connect with the river and that current and that movement, and you commit to following Jesus in that movement, you eventually confess Jesus as Lord and Savior in that movement, and then you're commissioned, you're given God's mission. And this is God's mission, that there would be healing in our world. For us here in this church in the West Valley of San Fernando, being a church of reconciliation means that we're going to be multicultural. It means we'll be multiracial. It means that we'll be a place in which people are known from many different backgrounds. And it's not simply a, a command from Jesus. He has purpose with it. I've been thinking about the purpose of why Jesus would bring all of people back together and reconcile. And part is so we can have what's called border spaces. Border spaces are where my life and someone else's life that's different from mine come together and we get to be on the border of our lives, of our experience. And we get to talk across that border and I get to hear from you on your understanding of life, on your understanding of, of spirituality, and you also get to hear mine. And then when we do that in community, we get a, a room full of people, particularly here in the West Valley, from every tribe, tongue, and nation. We have people in our church that are from everywhere, all over the world. This is an incredible border space, and that's what God wants to create so that I can hear what Chris has to say about his experience, or, or Felipe, or today we get to have Deontay with us. You know, we, we've been a church that has had great multicultural, multiracial diversity, but we haven't had a lot of African-American voice in our church. And I'm grateful, Deontay, that you, uh, the Lord brought you to be a part of our community of faith with your beautiful family. And... Uh, for this past months, we've been having him be able to speak, and today uh, we get to have him preaching again with us, entering into a border space with him. And so I'm grateful, and I want to pray as we begin our worship, and then Deontay, you're going to jump up, so so uh, be on ready alert five back there. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we're grateful that this is a church of your vision, that as a river, uh, we can look forward to what you are doing, and we can see it already happening, that um, creating this this place, this community, this multiracial, multicultural. Lord, I, I ask that you would continue by the power of your Holy Spirit to be bringing us together. That as we all come to your cross, that that means we're all coming closer together. That this would be a place where there are border spaces. And Lord, I pray now that as, as we get to be 
encountering your word, particularly through the mouth of Deontay and his own experience. Um, as my experience, all our experiences come together here, Lord. My prayer is that you would give us ears to hear, that you would open our hearts, that you would open our, our sense of humility, that you would give us grace. Lord, help us to put aside our own entitlements and like you, to humble ourselves, to take on the very nature of a servant and become obedient. Lord, all this, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Deontay, get on up here. We're going to get going with you here. I'm going to try and clear a space. So the, I'm going to hold the Instagram. I'm just going to hold and film you. So I know you've always wanted to be like a Hollywood star. You're going to have one camera on here with the lights, and I'm going to have like this other roaming camera. So come on up. Here he is. Yeah, right. Social distance. Yeah. Social distance. What up? I'm going to flip the camera around. Hey, guys. Good morning. What's everybody doing? There we go. All right. Watch out on the stand. Is this good for us? Good on, good on camera number one. Good on camera number one. Good on camera number two. Good on camera number two. Let's go. Just go up on that first step. Perfect. Perfect. Should be fine. this morning. It's going to be good. All right. Praise the Lord. Um, first, I would like to just uh, start off saying good morning um, and uh, start off with a word of prayer. Uh, my hope here is that the Lord would work through me to communicate the things that are on his heart um, and just allow me to be his messenger. Um, that is my heart. Um, anytime I am privileged enough to, to stand before you and share any type of message, um, I always want it to be God's words, um, and I try very hard to not get in the way of that. So um, if you would, I ask that you would pray for me as well. Um, I want to be um, as delicate and sensitive to the spirit as I can be um, as we deliver this message. Um, and then I'll give you a little, little overview and framework of where we're going, and then we'll dive in. So let's pray again. Uh, Lord God, thank you so much for this day. Um, thank you for the beautiful people that are here. It feels like a party to have people around. Um, thank you for the people who are watching live, Lord, uh, from the comfort of their homes or um, wherever they're, they're at right now, God. Um, Lord, first, um, as I give you thanks, I also ask that you would give me wisdom, that you would guide me that your words will be the words that are spoken today, God. Um, I ask that you keep me out of the way, um, and I ask that your spirit be um, what is speaking right now, Lord God. Um, I pray that you open my heart um, to, to listening. Thanks, God. Um, I pray that you open my heart to listening, Lord. I pray that you open the hearts of others um, to receive the word uh, that you'll speak through me, Lord God. Um, and most of all, Lord, I pray that we will leave this place or we will leave this 
this live sermon uh, more closely resembling who you are, more, more closely walking in um, our image um, or walking in your image, Lord God. Uh, so that's my prayer today. Um, I love you. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. First off, what's up? How's everybody doing? Y'all good? All right, we good here. You guys good? Packed house. How about you guys in the back? Yes. All right, praise the Lord. Hey, let's, let, can we just maybe clap our hands to let people know there are people here. All right, guys. Um, I really struggled to figure out what to what to share today. Um, really struggled with coming up with um, a message that would really matter in this time right now. Um, really matter to to you. Really matter to me. Really matter to God. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not entirely sure what that message is or if I nailed it. Um, but we'll be going to a couple of different places today. Um, before I get started, I think this is more of a, um, an internal reflection that I would like to share. Um, but first, let me thank Jonathan. Thank you for this opportunity. Um, you most certainly do not have to um, open the door or lend your, your podium to anybody to come and speak. Um, so I really just want to acknowledge and thank you for your humble heart uh, to be willing to have um, someone, anyone, me in this case, come up and share I don't, I don't take that lightly. So, um, you know, boom, double anointing for you. Um, double. <laughs> double? Not just single. Nah, double. Okay. okay. <laughs> Let's see. Um, also, just thankful for the, for the church as a whole. Um, you guys have always been very welcoming uh, to anyone who, who comes up. So just want to thank you guys as well. You could say, no, we want Jonathan. Give us Jonathan. Um, so, yeah, just this humble posture to have somebody else on is, is really cool. So, um, yeah, hopefully as we continue, you won't start those chants. <laughs> no, no, no. Next week, they're going to be like, give us Dion. Cool. Um, so I've got a real heavy heart. Really, really heavy heart. Um, there's, I'm just sensitive. I'm very sensitive to, um, to death. I'm really sensitive to, uh, to murder, injustice, all of these things. And those are the things that are really taking place. Those things are at large right now, and those are the things that I want to address today. Um, I want to address um, the, the killing that is happening. I want to address the lives that are being stolen. I want to address um, how we as a church can, could, or maybe even possibly should be responding. Um, I want to share a little bit about uh, what I believe God's heart to be in this matter. Uh, and again, I pray that I get it right, but I may not get it right. So I will ask for, um, for your grace, for your forgiveness, uh, ask for your love as we wade through these things. It's not about always getting it right. I think it's about um, being willing to learn, being willing to grow and being willing to get closer to that place. So I am where I am today, um, and that's where I will be speaking from. Um, and I pray that even with this, that God will mature me, will grow me. Um, and I hope that in the process, he will mature you as well. Um, so a little reflection. This was how I was going to start. No intro, but we'll start here. 
Hey, everybody. Hey. Can you see me? Can you see me? Do you see me? I'm not okay. I'm hurting. I'm grieving. I'm sad. I've never known what despair was until recently. I heard it defined as this, the fear that tomorrow will be no better than today. I've never known what that felt like. Last night in Atlanta, Georgia, Rayshard Brooks was reduced to a hashtag after a police officer killed him at Wendy's. This past Tuesday, 39-year-old Jazz Waters, a black Hollywood writer, committed suicide. Two black trans women, Ryan Milton in Ohio and Dominique Remy Phelps in Pennsylvania, were killed earlier this week. Right here in Los Angeles County, Robert Fuller, a 24-year-old black man, was found hanging from a tree. This earlier this week in Palmdale, not far. Can you hear me? Is it clear? Can you hear us? It sounds mostly like sorrow. It sounds like murder. It sounds like trauma. I haven't slept well since Ahmaud Arbery was chased down corner, shot to death. I haven't had an appetite, which is rare, since Breonna Taylor was killed in her apartment by the police. I haven't been able to slow my heart rate down since watching George Floyd's slow, painful execution, just under nine minutes. Did you see it? Did you see them? Did you see the ones yelling for the police to stop? The ones who reported the murder of a man? The ones too concerned, rightfully so, for their own lives that they couldn't bring themselves to intervening? Perhaps George Floyd asked God to help him. somebody to help perhaps, perhaps he asked him to intervene or to inspire one of the bystanders to action. Just somebody step in and stop. Fear and history won that match. George Floyd lost his life. Do you see yourself in that situation? Who are you? Are you the police officer who sat with his knee on his neck for just under nine minutes? Nine minutes is a long time. Are you George Floyd pleading for your life and calling out for your dead mother? Are you the other officers aiding in the murder and making sure the deed is done with no interference? Are the passionate bystanders trying to say everything you can think of to end this sick nightmare 
but too paralyzed by fear to stop it. Do you see yourself in this situation? Who are you? What else should I write about? What else should I say? How long will I mourn? Sort of like a poem, but it's real life. So today we're gonna to talk about what matters. It's more like a speech than a sermon. But it's not just me, it's deep reflection. It's a lot of studying and research, it's a lot of lived experience, it's a lot of, a lot of songs, it's a lot of the gospel. But it won't be your typical three-point sermon. Ha! I got three points. Blasted. <laughs> you still did. <laughs> All right, praise God. So, I'm glad I can laugh. This is helpful, man. So I'll just read it. Brothers and sisters, because that's what you guys are to me. I love you. It's with the heavy heart that I stand before you in an attempt to tell you something that matters. On the surface, that doesn't seem like it would be a difficult task. However, it's becoming more and more obvious that the things we hold dear to our hearts, view as essential to our existence, or matter most in our own lives, are not always the things that matter to our neighbors. What matters to you? In the year of our Lord, 2020, always wanted to say that. We've been given a plethora of opportunities to evaluate the things that are most significant, both in our personal lives and in society as a whole. COVID-19 has brought the entire world to a screeching halt and it forced people to do life differently, do work differently, do relationships differently. Through all the changes of our everyday lives, the underlying question is what truly matters? The sequential murders of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, I wrote this before all the other things happened. The delayed arrest and charges of police who committed these murders, protests demanding justice, provocators inciting violence, looters destroying and robbing businesses, Presidential deployment of the National Guard, police officers firing rubber bullets and using tear gas on protesters, millions of people posting black squares to their social media accounts have brought us back face to face with the underlying question. If you know what you can say it with me, what truly matters? Point number one. Black lives matter. Amen. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. My father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, my friends, my neighbors, my aunts, my uncles, nephews. Happy birthday, Mark. And Trey. Nieces, my grandparents, 
My cousin, who sold drugs. My cousin, who died from overdosing on drugs. My former student, who was shot and killed. My former student, who shot and killed him. Every single black life matters. And it matters that we all say it. I'll tell you why in a minute. Quick history lesson on why it's so important. You may know this, you may not. Africans were stolen from their country and brought to America. They were stripped from their families, their customs, religion, language, resources, and history. These black lives were first made slaves, sold as property, killed at no expense or consequence, regarded as only three-fifths of a human. These black lives were not able to vote, not able to use the same restaurant, or not able to use the same restroom or eat at the same restaurant, drink from the same fountain, or even attend the same church as their fellow Americans. They're not given ownership of free property, courtesy of the GI Bill. They're not taught to read or allowed to go to college. They were excluded from working jobs primarily and solely due to the color of their skin. There's a lack of generational history, a lack of generational wealth. There's no long-standing affiliations in clubs or companies, colleges, because they were never afforded the opportunity to have these things. If we go back just a few generations, they're slaves. If you go back a little bit, segregation, you'll find hate, prejudice, discrimination, lynching, imprisonment. A little bit closer, not too far back, you'll see the drugs, the projects, the invention of the ghettos, the poverty, the crime, the law enforcement, the police brutality, the incarcerated fathers, the single mothers. Black lives matter. And if you review the collective historical narrative of this particular group of people, you'll see why black lives matter because it's just about the only thing that we ever really truly had. Now that's not to diminish any progress or any of the accomplishments, any of the great things that black people have accomplished, done. But again, the collective historical narrative of this particular group, black lives matter. It's the only thing that couldn't be granted or earned, stripped away by the hands of an oppressive system. What truly matters? Many are upset with the looting that took place. Many feel that what started as a just cause has been compromised for selfish gain. Many are upset with the destruction of property and businesses. I want you to imagine with me, if you will, feeling as though you had not much of anything in this world. 
just your life. And then you see someone who looks like you, and another someone, and another someone. And someone who could very easily have been you, be murdered. Imagine not being able to retaliate, even if you wanted to. Imagine not being able to do so, because it would cost you the single thing that you do have. What do you do with that type of rage and emotion? What do you do with that type of stress and trauma? You see, this is a tipping point. Black Lives Matter because it's been black lives that have consistently shown us how to forgive, how to withstand, how to overcome, how to turn other cheek, mm -hmm. how to remain nonviolent towards their oppressors, how to have joy in the midst of pain. You guys ever been to a black funeral? Enjoy some turn to love it. I thought we were mourning. We are celebrating today. Praise God. What matters? You want? What matters? What truly matters? Many will say that justice matters. If justice matters, then black lives must matter. Many will say that freedom matters. If freedom matters, black lives must matter. I'm gonna say that's too political. Love matters. If love matters, black lives must matter. Some say it's just the gospel. Just focus on the gospel. You guess it. If the gospel matters, then black lives must matter. If all lives matter, black lives must matter. What truly matters? Point two. It matters that racism exists. Racism is a deadly plague that's killing black people all across the nation. Whether you believe it or not, does not diminish its existence. Whether you've experienced it or not, does not disprove its existence. Whether you like it or not, it, it exists. I want to be very, 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 very clear here. I'm not condemning any group of people. I'm not lumping any group of people all into one. I'm not calling anyone evil. As I started, you're my brother, you're my sister, I love you. Love you deeply, I always have, always will. So I'm not here to condemn or paint an illusion that any group of people are inherently or intentionally evil. Although that's what racism has done to black people. 
My goal is to confront this sin, expose this sin, so that we as a people, we as a church, may do what is long overdue and completely eradicate the sin. But first, what is racism? You may think that racism is simply hating someone because of the color of their skin. However, I think that that definition is incomplete. In fact, Webster just acknowledged that it'll be updating its definition of racism to be more expansive. The current definition, Webster's Dictionary, as a belief that race is the primary determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. I think a lot of people would say, Psh, it doesn't exist, Psh, it's not me. Twenty-two-year-old, and I gotta give a shout out to Gen Zers. Gen Zers, man, you guys inspire me. Twenty-two-two-year-old uh, Kennedy Meacham reached out and requested that the definition be expanded. See, racism is a social construct. What's a social construct? Thank you for asking. Gotcha. A social construct is something that exists not in objective reality but as a result of human interaction. Say that again. I got you. Racism is a social construct. A social construct is something that exists not in objective reality, but as a result of human interaction. Some of my old street leaders would say, it's man-made. <laughs> Talk a little bit, just a minute. Four dimensions of racism. Internalized, interpersonal, structural, and institutional. That's deep. Who would have thunk? I thought it was just me hating you because of the color of your skin. It's deeper than that. And as people talk about the existence of racism and how it's affected It's this intricate, this deep definition of what racism is that people are referring to. Sometimes it's hard to put language to it. Maybe this will help. Oh, we lost one. We came in here. Internalized racism is the subtle and overt messages that reinforce negative beliefs and self-hatred in individuals. Negative belief towards an individual. Towards yourself, possibly. Interpersonal racism is racist acts or microaggressions carried out from one person to another. It's probably the type that we're most familiar with, right? It's person to person. It's a racial slur. It's a you're not welcome here. Can't sit here. That type of deal. It's forced one. And then there's structural racism. Multiple institutions collectively upholding racist policies and practices, like a society. 
multiple institutions, you know, businesses, colleges, churches even, upholding racist policies and practices. And then there's institutional racism. It's policies, practices that reinforce racist standards within a workspace or organization. So it's much bigger than we even thought, right? It's internalized, it's an interpersonal, it's structural, and it's institutional. I think the simple definition, but that's for the more heady people, if you want a simple definition, racism is simply prejudice plus power. A lethal combination. Prejudice plus power. Not only do I hold these views towards you, not only do I think this, but I have the, the power to enforce or reinforce those beliefs. Thinking and believing one way and having the means and the power to enforce and affirm these beliefs, pretty much racism. Police brutality is a prime example, hot topic right now. It's a prime example of something that's rooted in, in that type of racism. There's negative beliefs about people internalized in a personal racism, coupled with unregulated power. I feel this way about you, and I have the power to do whatever I want with no consequence. Now we start talking about the, the structural and the institutional racism. It matters that racism still exists. Yes. And I think people can internalize these racist policies or beliefs and like start to start to enforce them. Some people have power based on position. Some people have power based on race. We'll come back to that part two. Can you invite me back? Maybe. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. It matters that racism still exists and it matters that we know what it is. It's not just slavery or Jim Crow. It's much, much more. If nothing else, it's a sin. Churchgoers are like, finally, it's a sin. We ought to detest racism. I believe God detests racism. One church said this. It said racism is, it says racism is a sin. Of humanity and the image of God in humankind. 
It destroys God's likeness in every person. It assumes that human beings are not equal before God and are not part of God's family. It's contrary to biblical teaching. It denies basic justice and human dignity. It's a blatant denial of the Christian faith. Is incompatible with the gospel. Is a flagrant violation of human rights. Separates us from God and other human beings. Makes us blind to the reality of people's suffering. Perpetuates racist attitudes, practices, and institutional racism. It matters that racism exists. What truly matters? Point three. The church's response to racial injustice matters. Pose myself. The church's response to racial injustice matters. We are God's bride. His people or his body. We are his image bearers. We are supposed to be becoming more and more like him. So the church's response to racial injustice matters. Especially for a people who does not know who God is, what the church is about. It's our witness, right? Genesis 1, God made mankind in his own image. Now he did some work in the days of creation. He separated the light and the dark. But what he did not do is he did not separate humankind. There you go. He just made it. you a human. That's just that. I'm going to go wrestling. <laughs> That's what he did. So that goes back to, to racism being a social construct. And you know, Jesus, the goat, is the greatest of all time. Uh, Jesus came as an Israelite into oppression. I mean, you guys know this. Like, he could have came like, I'm here. Everything stops. But, you know, he came as a baby. A baby of an oppressed race and was born in a manger. At a mocked. In Romans 12, Paul tells us that we ought to hate what is evil. The church's response to racial injustice, it matters. We ought to hate what is evil. In Luke 15, you guys know this one. We got the song about it. Felipe sings it beautifully. 
Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep. How's it go? Leaves the 99. Mm -hmm. Yeah? All right, work with me. <laughs> Jesus leaves the 99. That one sheep. have found it tough to not even do anything but just to simply say black lives matter hmm. and we want all the sheep to matter but Jesus doesn't see the sheep scurry off and say it's okay like let him do his thing let her do her thing it's just a black sheep songs that we sing ought to be consistent with the God that we serve. It ought to be consistent with how we act as his bride, as his church. Yeah. Just a couple more. Um, but in John 4, Jesus sits with the woman at the well. By all measures, by all standards, probably shouldn't have done that. Many people, culture, said, no, we don't, we don't do that. What's Jesus doing? And his friends came back. He's like, what? What is he doing? He sits down with her. In Luke 8, Jesus stops suddenly in a big, big crowd. Like, think that aerial view downtown LA. And one of those type of crowds. There Jesus is. And he stops. And he's like, oh, somebody touched me. He stopped and paid attention to that. When others said, like, oh, there's tons of other people around you. But he stops and he cares. And A, he's in the midst of it, wherever it was. And he feels that touch knows that someone's reaching out to him. Someone's reaching out to him because they're hurting. Someone's reaching out to him because they need him. And he stops. And he's there. He's present. And he's with it. The church's response to racial injustice matters. What am I getting at? All throughout history, all throughout the Bible, Jesus is slash is with the oppressed. Like a lot of us are like, yeah, like I'm Israelite, like, yeah, promised land, baby milk and honey. But they were oppressed. They were in captivity. I don't talk about that. I mean we do, but God fought with the Israelites to deliver them from their captivity and their oppression. God is there. God cares. What truly matters? The church's response to racial injustice matters. 
land a plane with this. No stories, no jokes. If I can contain myself. But just these simple, simple, simple points that everybody can know, that everybody can get. What truly matters? I think as a church we would agree. I think as a church we would agree on these things. I hope. Loving God matters. Amen. Amen. Loving God matters. I think you would agree with me that loving your neighbors matter. Yes. I even get me fired up. I was about to leave. Now I'm fired. <laughs> loving God matters. Loving your neighbors matter. Loving your enemies matter. Can we reduce it? Is that the most simple as it goes? No. Got my quote. Love matters. <laughs> I felt that was all <clears throat> Love matters. John 15, 13 says this, that greater love has none than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. So, I hope that you view me, that you view the people who are hurting, people who are mourning and grieving, the people who you're seated next to, or not. I hope you view them friend, at least, and even if you, you view him as an enemy, Abraham Lincoln said, uh, how do you say it? I should have wrote this one down, because this is a good one, but basically he says, uh, do I not destroy my enemy when I'm making my friend? Something like that, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but like, uh, enemy, you know, your friend Love your neighbors, love God, and lay down your life for one's friend. Amen. Amen. And I think that is what truly matters. So, thank you, thank you. Let's pray. All right. Thank you, Lord God. We love you, Lord. We love you. Thank you, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity to be able to speak, Lord. Lord, I pray for forgiveness. If at any point I was unfaithful or disobedient to the things that you had me speak, Lord. Lord, I pray that if there's any offense as a result of this message, Lord, you would do a mighty work and first the heart and then in a relationship to reconcile it. Lord God, I pray that you will help us know your heart more, Lord. That you will help us see our brothers and sisters as just that. 
that you will help us see. That's, that is important, Lord. The very people that you came and gave your life for, it's important that we stand with them shoulder to shoulder. But Lord, I pray that this message has broken chains, Lord, is starting to break chains, Lord. Starting to change hearts. Starting to penetrate hearts, Lord.
So 